0: Well, thank you. Greetings from England. Greetings from the Queen. She couldn't make it today. She's got a few family challenges, but she sends her love. And uh, what an awesome, awesome atmosphere. What a privilege it is to be in Texas. We hosted your pastors, Pastors Joe and Laurie with us in December. And it was good to have a cowboy in England, okay, to have some cowboy boots on stage and he let me tell you, your pastors came into our lives at the right time. They are the real deal. We love them, we honor them. Pastors Joe and Laurie Champion. Come on, let's put our hands together and say a huge thank you. And to all the team for hosting us. All right, you guys can grab your seats. Thank you, Pastor Christian and Carla and all the team. Haven't you got a wonderful this is incredible, by the way. The sun. I haven't seen the sun since October. Um, it's just good to see the sun. It's good to eat some proper food. Um, you guys know how to eat, hey? Every time you finish, they're topping you up, and wow, just incredible. So, two years—it's been, been an interesting two years, isn't it? And uh, we've been—we're coming out, for, thank God, of this pandemic. And in the middle of this pandemic, suddenly everybody started wearing uh, visible masks to stop the spread. And so I decided to write a book called Unmasked. Not political, I just thought it was topical. And so um, I wanted to write a mask, not about physical, but, but some of the invisible masks that we've been wearing for many years or months, or maybe you don't wear any, but I know for, 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 for Chantal, my wife, and I. by the way, my wife sends her love. She's gonna be with you at your women's conference next year. And so you're going to love Chantel. So I'm the warm-up act. All right, so no, you're going to love her. She is absolutely beautiful. And uh, people look at me and look at her and they say, I've got a lot of money or there is a God. All right, so there is a God. So we literally walk around the the mall and people get saved um, because they cannot believe that God put us together. So I'm a very blessed man. And uh, you're going to love Chantel being with you um, next, next year. So uh, we, we, I, I started putting together this book, and I, I talked about 10 masks that I've personally dealt with. I wanted to be open and vulnerable and transparent with our church and with our readers that actually I deal with the same stuff as you do. And so I've written a book on uh, the mask of rejection, of fear, anxiety, talking about mental health, uh, perfectionism. That's a mask that I struggle with. Any perfectionist out there, you like things just perfect. You like the holiday exactly how you want it to go, and then the plane gets delayed, and your world crumbles. That's me, okay? So I decided to write about some of my struggles and put it in a book. And so I want to just really unpack one of those chapters in a few moments, but the series verse, the book, uh, really the, the, the key signature verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and Paul's writing, he says, and we who we've unveiled or unmasked faces all reflect the Lord's glory, and we are being transformed into his likeness. Many of you would have set New Year's resolution goals for 2022, but... As followers of Christ, we should only have one goal, one main goal, and that main goal is this, as Paul said, to become more like Jesus, transformed into his likeness, not into Hollywood's likeness, not into our favourite TV programme's likeness, but into his likeness. Who knows that the world would be a much better place if we all reflected Jesus, Jesus is kind, Jesus is loving, Jesus is forgiving, Jesus is merciful, Jesus is generous. Who knows our world would be in a much better place if we just followed his likeness. So I'm going to give you a couple of takeaways today, if you're taking notes to help you. Um, Maybe this message isn't for you, but I can guarantee it's uh, for someone in your world, for someone in your sphere of influence. And the first, the first take I want to share with you is this, is that transformation in our lives begins by recognition. Nothing can transform unless you recognize an area of your life that needs to change. So I had to recognize these 10 areas of my life that I needed to change. And God gave me some tools from his word to help me move forward. And this book is designed for you to be the real you not for you to be the you that everyone else wants you to be to be the you that god created you to be and the whole premise of the book is dare to be the real you you know the worst thing in the world i think the worst thing possibly in the world is not to know jesus who would agree but i think the second worst thing in the world is to know jesus and not enjoy him i've met so many not by the way not in not in austin i've met so many miserable christians Just not in Celebration Church, they're everywhere else. But how is it possible to know Jesus and not enjoy him? One of the main reasons is because we live with this mask. I want to talk for the next few minutes on the mask of shame. The mask of shame. I think we should pray. Come on, let's stand. I like to stand and pray, just as you're getting comfortable. It's like doing burpees in church. You say, why have I got to stand and pray? You're closer to heaven. Some of you. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> let's get spiritual, all right? Come on, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We can sense your presence here already in the worship. And Father, I know that you want to do a deep work in people's hearts. And Father, as we unmask today, the, the, diving deep on this one, it's a big one, it's a shame. Father, I pray that you'd, you'd help me, give me the words to speak. But Lord, I pray that today would be a day of freedom in marriages, relationships, friendships. Father, I pray for those who have been wearing the mask of shame, even for decades, that today would be a catalyst for change and transformation by the power of the name of almighty, almighty God, through his son Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can now take your seats. I'm a bit of an apple groupie. Is there any Apple groupies? You like Apple? All right, I've got the watch, the, the iPad, the MacBook. What else? Headphones. Is there any Android groupies in here? All right, we're going to ask you guys to leave quietly. You can... I need some water. I wasn't expecting that. I'm a bit of an Apple groupie, okay? And a few months ago, my MacBook, it broke down, stopped working, so I went to the Apple Genius Bar. They are genius, okay? I'd attempted numerous soft resets, reboots, but nothing changed. And so I went to the Apple Bar, met the genius guy, and he carried out what he told me. I'm not much of a techie, but he carried out a hard reset. Okay, which meant he cleared all the caches on my, on, on my laptop, cleared the hard drives, and he restored it to virtually brand new. And as I was standing at the, at the Genius Bar, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, John, because you are a follower of Christ, when you gave your life to me, I didn't just do a soft reboot on your life. I gave you a hard reset. He said, I will remember no more of your sins. I have removed them as far as the east is from the west. You are a new creation in Christ. (laughs) Christ died so that we could have security and freedom in him. So if you take your notes, write this down. Shame and security cannot coexist. They are enemies. What is shame? My definition of shame is a feeling of being worthless and not worthy of love. I meet so many followers of Christ who live with those feelings and struggle with the mask of shame. Has anyone ever heard the words, or maybe those words have been spoken over you, shame on you? Maybe as a child, a parent, a grandparent, a teacher said those words, shame on you, and words stick. I've had many moments in my own life of shame. Like all of us, I've experienced immense regrets, mistakes. I've let myself down, but I'm determined as a pastor that shame will not define my life. And I want to talk just for the next three hours and 20 minutes on shame unmasked. I've not got got to be at the next service till five. I've got all afternoon. Just bear with me. In Europe in the 17th century, a shame mask was placed on prisoners who had committed violent crimes. Men and women, but mainly women, were forced to wear it in public in order to humiliate them. They were made of cold metal, often in real mortifying designs like a pig. And it would muzzle their mouths. And you can see the spike which would pierce their skin if they tried to speak. And in the 17th century, it was the ultimate disgrace to wear the mask of shame. Thankfully today, when we make mistakes, we don't have to wear a mask of shame, but the devil is still trying to put masks on God's children. Invisible masks. And so many Christians I meet are wearing the mask of shame. Jesus himself, he understood shame. His crucifixion was more than just death. In just a few days, we're going to be remembering Christ's death on the cross on Good Friday, but it wasn't a Good Friday. It wasn't a Good Friday for Jesus because he wasn't just crucified, he was hung naked On a cross, it was Roman customs to crucify Jews naked. Why? Because they wanted to shame them. Then they placed a sign on the top of his head, which said, Jesus, King of the Jews. What kind of king would be hanging naked on a cross in front of his own people? Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. God wants you and I to live in freedom. Why? Because he has paid for our shame. Now, if you take your notes, I want you to write these three things down, and this is kind of the why, why shame hurts us so much, because shame breeds three things in our lives. Number one is shame breeds fear. We're fearful that someone will find out what we've done. Someone will read about us, hear about us. We live in a world right now that is just obsessed by cancelling people. People's mistakes are being dragged up from even centuries past. So shame breeds fear that we'll be exposed. The second thing that shame does is shame breeds blame. We're so ashamed of what we've done that we get defensive and the first thing we do is begin to blame others. Oh, it's your fault, you made me do it. We see it, the very first story in the Bible, Adam and Eve, the first thing they did, they were blaming each other for their shame. The third thing that shame does is shame breeds disconnection. Because when when you're feeling shame, the last thing you want to do is connect into community because you feel ashamed. So many people slip out the back doors of the church because of shame. They don't want to be in the presence of God because they don't feel worthy, they don't feel good enough. Thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about shame, this mask. The prophet Isaiah said nearly 4,000 years ago in Isaiah 54.4, he says, do not fear. Isn't it interesting, the thing that shame breeds, he speaks on straight away. He says, do not fear. You will not be ashamed nor be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. Isaiah the prophet, he recognizes it's often the choices we've made in our younger years that cause us to live in shame in our later years. Notice that Isaiah did not say, forget the mistakes of your youth. He said, forget the shame of your youth. Now, I don't want to burst your bubble, but God doesn't want you to forget your mistakes. Because if you forget your mistakes, you might make the same mistake again. So he says, I'm going to allow you to remember the mistakes to help you. But here's the thing, I don't want you to remember the shame of your mistakes. God wants you to live in freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to live in freedom. Now turn to the other side, your second favorite. (laughs) Say, God wants you to live in freedom too. I love Austin Water just tastes different from everywhere else. I don't know why, but... Okay, to answer, to answer how we remove shame, we've got to confront shame-based thinking. So I'm going to give you four simple steps to unmask shame from your life, and I believe this will be a catalyst for change today for many of you. Heart surgery is very different to getting a bunion removed. Sometimes we get bunion messages and sometimes God drops in with a heart surgery. It's a life-saving moment. And I believe today is going to be a life-changing moment for people as God works in your heart. heart. Heart surgery, doctors will tell you, some of the most delicate surgery, but it produces the best results. And I believe God's going to give life back to people today. I want to give you four quick steps from the, from the Scriptures. Number one is this. You've got to name the shame. Name the shame. First step is to recognize areas we're carrying the shame from the past. Revelation 12.10 says the accuser of the church. One of Satan's names is accuser. The devil is constantly trying to accuse God's children. You didn't read your Bible today. You weren't nice to your spouse on the way to church. You haven't prayed this week. You're not really a proper Christian. And often we've been living with the mask of shame for so long We put it on every morning like putting our socks on. We've got to be vulnerable with ourselves and we've got to name the shame that we've been carrying. You know the devil hates it when we expose shame. Why? Because when we expose shame, we expose him. Twelve years ago, my dad passed away from leukemia. Many of you, you will understand the pain when you lose a loved one so close and... I was 31 and I got the phone call. I was living in Cape Town, South Africa. We were doing mission work, church planning in South Africa and got the call. And a few weeks later, dad passed. For the next 12 months, the enemy got in my head. And this is what he said. You didn't pray enough. You didn't fast enough. You weren't there enough. Why would you be living in South Africa when your dad was dying with cancer? Can can anyone relate to what I'm saying here when the devil starts telling you? And I'm going to finish that story later on in the message. But today I believe we're going to make peace with ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the question is this. What is the shame mask that you wear? You've got to name it. The second step is this. You've got to name the shame. Second step, you've got to shame the shame. You got to shame the shame. You know, the enemy, the devil, the accuser, he cannot wait for you and I to wake up in the morning to open our eyes because the first thing the devil wants to tell us is this. You ready? Two words. You're not. You're not. You're not good enough. You're not good enough to come to church this morning. You're not good enough to get a job. You're not good enough to get healed. You're not good enough to find a partner. You're not good enough to write a book. I started writing a book and I got a publisher interested in America. And I sent her my thoughts and a couple of, couple of chapters. And I sent her the whole book. And she said, um, It's an interesting book. She said, But I found 2,000 mistakes. 2,000. 2,000. So you've got 50,000 words. I said, What's normal? She said, About 200. I said, Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not normal, I'm Norman. You know, in that moment and for the next few weeks I literally put I put the book away I thought I'm not good enough because the devil told me you're not you didn't qualify I never got any I never got any education at school I wasn't educated who am I to write a book leave that to the big boys the big girls so the devil told me this he said you're not qualified you're not you're not you're not and we you know what the problem is you're not you're not you're not Changes it, changes to I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And then we go to lunch and we start having a chat with our friends and it changes from I'm not to we're not. Be careful, the Bible says where two or three agree with anything on earth, be careful who you agree with. That's the good and the bad. And all we end up doing is agreeing with the shamer. Everything he says, you're not, you know, you're right, I'm not. You're not good enough to, to buy your own home. That's right, I'm not good enough. You'll never end up, you'll never end up married. I'll never end up married. Now, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a fighter at school. I was a talker. Just give us a shout out, all the talkers, okay? <laughs> However quick you thought you were with your tongue, I could strike back quicker. And as a believer, okay, here's what we've got to do. We've got to bully the bully. Now, back in the good old days, when I grew up at school, we were taught this. You stand up to a bully. Now, no, no, if you're in school now, don't do that. They teach you to take a deep breath, take a step back. <laughs> Phone a friend. Okay, okay, I'm old school. Any old school out there. You stood, if you got bullied, you stood up to the bully. And even if you took a hiding, it was worth it but please don't do that. So how do we shame the shamer? Because I've come 6,000 miles today to shame the shamer in your life. I want to bully the bully because the bully has been bullying God's children for too long and it's time for us as believers to take our rightful place and shame the shamer. And so when the devil says you're not, this is what you come back to him with. Are you ready? I am. Two words, I am. I am. Come on, keep keep saying I like it when you say, I am. Here's what I am. Are you ready? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. I am as bold as a lion. I am a child of God. I am complete in Him. I am alive in Christ. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am born of God. Is anyone here today who says, I am, I am, I am? Now, it, I feel like we're we're getting it, but we're still on the golf course. It's like I feel like we need. You know, if somebody broke in your house, like a robber, I know you guys do things different here. We won't get into that. I know you have other ways to get robbers out. We don't have those ways. We old school. Anyway, let's just not go there. All right sorry, but if a robber was climbing through your window, you wouldn't just say, just a minute, excuse me, I'm just sitting down, just come on in, take your shoes off, grab what you can, and get out as quick as possible, no, 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 you would do your thing, I would do my thing, you would do your thing, and you would strike back. Yet the devil walks into our home every morning and tells us what we're not and we just sit back and accept it. And I've come here from Norwich, England today to tell you to take your rightful place as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. So we are going to try this one more time. Are you ready? Five, I'm going to, we're going to have a little competition in here. I'm going to be the devil. I know that's really hard. I know maybe other people have been on this stage, you can believe it and you can't believe it about me, but I'm the devil from England, just for one minute. Is that okay, Brian? It's okay, okay, we're gonna be friends, all right? I'm gonna tell you what you're not and you're gonna strike back at me with I am, I am, I am. Are you ready? You're not, you're not, you're not. So you would sit down in your house if a robber broke in. You're not, you're not, you're not, no. Are you ready? You're not, you're not, you're not. You're not, you're not, you're not. Oh, yeah. Lady with the shawl on, you're getting it. Okay. She's like an angel, the old things were flapping. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not. Oh, yeah. oh she's ready. I'm not in I'm not through the window of your house and you're shouting at me. you know, you're not, you're not. You're I see you, I know what you got, okay. You know you know you're not. You know you know you're not. You know you know not You know you know you not You're not you not You're not, you're not, you're not. Come on, let's give God some praise. I'm not just going to sit around and let the devil bully me for the rest of my life and tell me what I'm not. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Oh, I forgot to tell you this bit. It gets better. This isn't just a bit of motivation in the morning. When you say I am, check this out. Exodus 3.14, Moses says to God, if I had come to the people in Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am It sent you. You're not just saying some motivational words into the air. When you declare who you are in Christ, you are declaring Jehovah, almighty God, over your family, over your home, over your life. You are declaring the almighty one. I am, I am, I am. I'm preaching good. You're responding good. There is no other book that can remove shame from your life apart from his book. Shame has to be attacked. Every time the shamer is trying to tell you you're not good enough. I know I'm not in the flesh, but I know who I am in the spirit. All right, you ready? You've got to name it. You've got to shame it. Number three, you've got to share it. This is difficult. Shame dies when we tell our story in safe places. Shame dies, sorry, shame spreads when we internalize it. Whenever you internalize shame, it will grow like a cancer inside of you. Shame must first happen in an environment of trust. Twelve months after my dad had passed, I'd lived with the mask of shame for twelve months and I, I was wearing it, putting it on every day and I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And I was over in Sydney, Australia for a conference and a a good friend of mine, Robert, he said, how are you doing, John? I said, I'm good. Then he said, John, how are you really doing? By the way, if anyone says to you, how are you really doing? That's the Holy Spirit prompting them for you to open up. I said, honestly, Robert, I'm not doing too good. I feel shame. I was too busy trying to help everyone else that I wasn't there for my own family. Who knows that you can be a public success and a private failure? Robert said, come and sit down. For nearly two hours by the fire, we, we talked. I shared how I was feeling and he prayed with me and he gave me some brilliant tools, some of which I'm sharing with you today. This is why being in a church, being in a community group, a small group, is so important. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. We need one another. We need circles of trust. We need lines of celebration on a Sunday, and we need circles of trust midweek. We need safe places. And I want to talk to the men. As we say in England, the blokes. Just for a moment. We're not very good at this. The girls are much better at opening up often we've been carrying things maybe since our childhood our college days university and we've been living with shame and I want to encourage you I'm going to pray at the end of this service I'm going to pray that God will give you the courage to share your story with someone you've got to name it shame it share it number four and finally as we land the plane we've got to shut it because shame will keep trying to creep back on us. And so we daily got to choose to shut it out. And we can never leave behind things that we fail to separate from. If you want to overcome an alcohol addiction, you've got to separate yourself from the pub. If you want to leave behind that abusive relationship, you've got to separate yourself from their phone number. If you want to leave behind the online gambling addiction, then you've got to block the website on your phone. You've got You've got to leave it behind. Often what we do is we leave the door just a little bit ajar. God is saying today for someone, it's time to shut the door of shame in your life once and for all. If you've taken notes, write this down. This is critical to the message today. Shame does not die easily. It dies daily. Daily. Daily, we've got to put these this is your homework, by the way. Name it, shame it, share it, shut it. Write it, on the, write it on the bathroom door because that's how you remove shame. Every day, those feelings of shame will try and come knocking. We've got to choose to shut them out. James put it like this in James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Resist the shamer, the accuser, and he shall flee. So how do we shut the devil out of our lives? Daily. I'm gonna give you three three quick keys, ready? Number one, you gotta remember that feelings are deceptive. Feelings are deceptive. So many times people say to me, I feel dirty. I feel guilty. I feel shame. Do you know how much it delights God when we believe what we say, what he says, not how we feel? Write this down. Shame is a hundred percent of the time a feeling. It's a feeling. Because the devil says, shame on you. Let God's grace says, shame off you. Feelings are deceptive. The second key here is this. Remember that God's love and his forgiveness towards you and I is never ending. Lamentations, chapter three, verse 22. This is my go-to every day. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Come on, is anyone grateful for the faithfulness of the Lord towards you this day? Is anyone grateful today that he does not hold your past? He does not hold your shame. He does not hold your guilt against you. Now, why does God keep forgiving us? this is the question that I battled with as I was writing this, but why would God keep forgiving me? Because I don't know about you, but I keep messing up and doing the same thing. Come on, I'm the pastor and I'm admitting it. I get things wrong. And I say things like, I say these things to God, God, thank you for your forgiveness. I'll never do this again. And then three months later, I'm like, so I said to God, why do you keep forgiving me? He said this, he says, because I want relationship with you. Wow. Why does Chantel, my wife, keep forgiving me? Because her desire for relationship with me is stronger than my mistakes. You can overcome any human mistake. Someone needs to hear this about their marriage today. You can overcome any human mistake in marriage if your desire for relationship is stronger. You can get over anything that's happened in a family. You can get over anything that's happened with your children, with your parents, as long as your desire for relationship is stronger. And God, our heavenly Father says, my relationship with you is stronger than your sin, than your shame. The third key is this, we've got to keep moving, is we've got to remember that we're not defined. We're not defined by our shame of our past. Isaiah said again, he says, forget. Celebration Church, forget the form of things. Do not dwell on the past. Do not dwell on your mistakes. See, I'm about to do something brand new in your life. You see, the shamer wants to define you by your mistakes. What happened in 1994? But God says, no, 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 no. You're not defined by your mistakes. You are defined, redefined by my grace. There was a father who decided to make his son, Billy, a video. It was the highlight reel of his short soccer career, the best moments. And on Billy's birthday, his dad played him the video. And Billy began to watch clip after clip, goal after goal, overhead kicks, free kicks, great passes. You would think he played for America. As the last scene played, Billy sat back and said to his dad, wow, dad, that was incredible. Was I really that good? And Billy's dad smiled. What well, Billy didn't realize is his dad had made him better look better than he really was because Billy's dad deleted all the missed penalties, all the yellow cards, all the red cards, all the times he missed, all the open goals. All Billy was left with was his best moments. And that's exactly what our Heavenly Father has done with us. God edits out our lives together for the good, all the fouls, the mistakes, the wayward moments get edited out of the video. They do not make the final cut. God, the master editor, He adds in His righteousness and He removes my red cards. He removes my sin. He removes my shame. God takes our entire lives and He writes His story, the story of grace and mercy and forgiveness over my over every one of my sinful moments my shame there is therefore now no sin in Christ Amen (laughs) Quilly sit down I've got 30 seconds well no i actually got 3 hours 30 seconds the reason there is no sin and there's no shame isn't because Jesus went soft on sin It's because of the law of double jeopardy. The law of double jeopardy says this, you cannot be punished twice for the same mistake. Come on, wait for this. Jesus Christ has already been punished. He has already paid for our sin and our shame on the cross of Calvary. He was beaten. He was scorned. He held out His hands and He said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Every single one of your past, your present and your future sins was washed by the precious blood of Jesus. Come on, let's stand to our feet.